Welcome to today's St. Paul's Church of the Voyager podcast. I'm Pastor Rob Fiesler, and I am glad that you are listening today. April 21st, 2019. Who would have thought on that glorious Easter morning of 2019 that that would be the last time before today that we'd be able to gather in this sanctuary in order to celebrate Easter. It is three years later. If the pandemic had only been a handful of weeks or a few short months, I wonder if we might have navigated it more gracefully and more graciously. We'll never know. As it stands, I think it's fair to say that it has been a traumatic time. Not just the pandemic, not just the lives that have been lost, but the multiple upheavals that have occurred in our world, our nation, our city, and even in some of our families. We've clashed over masks and vaccinations, political and religious issues, school curriculum and religious freedoms, you name it. Over these past two years, many of us have discovered that people who we knew, respected, and loved had very different views than us on some or all of these things. And so for many of us, that has deepened our sense of of trauma. Ten days ago, uh, a nearby Christian university sponsored its annual Pastor Appreciation Day. Well, it hadn't done it for the prior two years. And the theme was pastoral ministry in times of trauma. If only I'd known how to do pastoral ministry in times of trauma before the pandemic. We didn't have this class in seminary. The keynote presenter was Dr. Tima Bryant-Davis, president-elect of the American Psychological Association and a minister in the African Methodist Episcopal Church. She is also the author of Homecoming, a book Uh, that talks about how to overcome both fear and trauma. And addressing these past two years, Dr. Tima pointed out another trauma with which we are all quite familiar, the crucifixion. That was traumatic, not just for Jesus, but also for those who had followed him into Jerusalem 
on the week where he would end up being betrayed, arrested, tried, and hung on a cross. Let me pause for just a moment and offer a word of thanks. Many of you came for our Good Friday Stations of the Cross, an event that took a lot of work for both Marty and Liz throughout the week. So make sure to offer your gratitude uh, to them uh, for that experience. But according to Luke's gospel, there is another trauma that is waiting on Easter morning. As Luke 24 tells us, they, the women, Mary Magdalene, Joanna, Mary the mother of James, and the other women, came on that morning to the tomb where Jesus' body had been laid, but the body was gone. And their first thought was not our Easter acclamation. He's risen. Their first thought was, who has taken the body of our Lord? Can we imagine that first Easter morning when they arrived at the tomb? These women who had stayed by Jesus' side until he took his last shallow breath on the cross. Who had, who had stayed there long after the male disciples had all fled and gone into hiding. These still grieving women arrive at the tomb to tend to Jesus' body, but it's gone. And the thing that these women most wanted to do, an act that would help them process their grief, is something they cannot do because the body is gone. You know, from our side of the resurrection, we know that there's more to the story. But at least in these, in this passage, uh, uh, these 12 verses from Luke 24, there's no appearance of the risen Jesus. Only the discovery of the empty tomb and the distress and confusion that it causes. The trauma these women felt, and, and of course the trauma that Jesus experienced on the cross, it echoes across the ages to what many of us have experienced during these past couple years. And maybe, if we're honest, traumas we've experienced at other times in our lives. And I do not know if this is true for you. But knowing that Jesus was not immune to the most painful experiences and sufferings of our lives, that often provides me both comfort and solace. We worship a God who knows our grief. In her presentation, Dr. Tima outlined a, a Christ-based model for dealing with trauma. And I'd like to share some of what she pointed out. Not everything, but it was like a two-hour presentation, uh, so we don't have that long. But I, I hope that you'd understand that as we gather this morning, I really want to offer us a pastoral word. 
words that may help us and help us to help others as we move into the future that God has in store for us because God does have a future in store for us. Amen? So the first thing that Jesus does after the crucifixion is spend time in the tomb, right? I mean, there's a lot of speculation about what Jesus does uh, between his crucifixion and Easter morning. But it is all speculative, really. So let's just speculate. This is probably different than other speculation that you've heard, so let's speculate. Since Jesus had just experienced the most brutal trauma imaginable, what if God simply gave Jesus time to rest? For recovery, time for renewal, time for Jesus to prepare for what would come next. You know, the God I believe in could have raised Jesus any time. God did not have to wait from, from Friday to Easter morning. God is powerful enough to do what God wants. But after uh, we experience trauma, what if God simply wants us to stop doing and rest? Allowing God's resurrection power to do its work while we just be still and trust God to be God. Letting God restore us for what comes next. I was meeting with some of our, uh, planning for some of our programming as we go into the fall, and I, 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 I said, you know, slow will be good. Slower will be better. Slowest will be best. Love is patience. We need to go slow. We need to catch our breath. The second thing that, that Jesus does is that he goes to the women for social support, right? In none of the Gospels does Jesus go to the men as we'd expect. He doesn't go to his followers. He doesn't go to the apostles. They had all fled from the cross. I already said that. They had all gone into hiding. I said that too. But we do not have to denigrate them in order to honor what the women did. You know, these men, what they just witnessed Jesus go through was traumatic. Their best friend had been brutalized and killed, and they really thought that they were next. Still, the Gospels mainly agree that Jesus' first resurrection encounters were with women, the women who had stayed at his side when he was on the cross. The lesson, if I can call it a lesson, is that is to notice who has stayed with you in times of distress? Who are those who have shown up in your lives when the worst has happened to you? You know, we were never meant to just buck up 
and get through our trauma without any support. But sometimes, like Jesus, we have to go and seek support from those who've already demonstrated to us that they will be present with us when the worst has happened. A third thing that, that Jesus does, which seems sort of strange, is that he asks for something to eat. Luke 24, 24 tells us, well, in their joy, they, the disciples, were disbelieving. Notice that. Jesus is right in front of them, and they're still disbelieving. Well, in their joy, they, the disciples, were disbelieving and still wondering. Jesus said to them, have you anything here to eat? And the disciples say, well, Jesus, actually, we were not thinking that you'd come and visit. Well, that's not in the gospel. I think that got left out. But I think that's what they were thinking. And again, there is some speculation, right, about theological speculation about why Jesus asked for something to eat, why the Gospels tell us that, about this detail of him eating. It's to prove he was uh, physically resurrected. Yeah, that's what we say. But, but let's just notice that the risen Christ not only has sought social support, he's also just sought some basic sustenance. Food. First and foremost, this is an act of basic self-care. Jesus demonstrates that in the aftermath of the traumas or challenges that we experience in our lives, it's okay if we seek ways to find, uh, to be tangibly nourished. Diana Butler Bass points out that if we were writing a play about the last week of Jesus' life, scene one would be the Last Supper. It would be at the table. And then there would be the trial. And then there would be the cross. And then there would be the tomb where he was laid. And then there would be the empty tomb. And then it would be the table. So the table is the first setting and it is the final setting of the story. The disciples never return to the scene of the crime. They never go back to the cross. Instead, almost all the post-resurrection appearances of Jesus take place at the upper room table or at other tables and meals. That's something for us to keep in mind. So here's where I want to end. I, I want to invite you in the coming days, three years after we were last able to gather for Easter, I want to invite you first to just be. Be still and know that God's resurrecting power will be at work even if you do nothing. Grow in your ability to surrender to God's glorious power that brings life out of death. Because it is God's power, not ours, that does that. Second, deepen your connections with those who have shown up for you. 
when you've needed them. And you know, grow also in your ability to show up and be present for those who need you. And third, just take time to find nourishment and basic acts of self-care. You know, many people do not realize that every Sunday is a celebration of Easter. Not every Sunday is like this one, but every Sunday is a little Easter. And it seems to me that the church is at its best when it's a place where we can just be still and be reminded that God is present and at work in our lives. The church is at its best when it's a place where we can connect with others for support. And the church is at its best when we can come together and receive nourishment for the days ahead. Alleluia, Christ is risen and he is going ahead of us. And he is showing us exactly the steps we should be taking in the days ahead. Alleluia, Christ is risen. He is risen indeed. Amen.